edition and uh, thank you for hanging out with me for the next few minutes we're going to continue on talking about some of the stuff that uh, was happening as I was praying in the spirit in the truck for those two years so this uh, this week um, I want to talk to you about um, will worship versus mortification by the spirit <clears throat> and just before we get into all this today uh, I just want to say this about that uh, this year we were talking before about being a big year of change and there's of course been great great change happen in just the first month of this year uh the last thing was probably this helicopter crash with kobe bryant on board and there's been a huge huge amount of stuff out about all that uh, as a pilot I will just tell you that as far as the crash, uh, I would pretty much guarantee that this guy went from visual flight rule weather to being able to see the ground to uh, IFR weather, which is where you cannot see the ground and you're on instruments only. <clears throat> and having gone into that condition rather quickly, uh, it appears he tried to climb up, you know, away from the hills and stuff and uh, got disoriented in the clouds, in the fog, and uh, lost control and, and crashed. It's a textbook thing that happens all the time, but that's another story. And as far as Kobe himself, you know, people are speculating all kinds of things and you know, trying to figure out whether he was had a relationship with Jesus or not and all that. Well, that's, that's up to God to figure out. Um, but in all the stuff that I have heard in the last few days and, you know, hearing him speak and, and different people, uh, you know, there was nothing there on the outside that would have, you know, given us any indication that he was born again or had any kind of a relationship with Jesus, which is very sad because you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. And so, you know, even though he accomplished everything he accomplished in the natural, uh, all of that's for nothing in the spiritual world. So... You know, we'll we'll let God figure out all that that other stuff. Okay, so today I'm just going to talk a little bit about uh, 
will worship versus mortification by the Spirit. Um, so I'm reading some out of the book here, and then I'll comment on some of it. You can't discover the root of fleshly works in your life on your own. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can search the innermost parts of your heart to find the root. Then he edifies your reborn human spirit to rise up and put to death the deeds of the flesh on a daily basis. A daily basis. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place in the human spirit, because that's where all permanent change comes from. Well, there's a golden nugget right there. The human spirit is where all permanent change comes from. It wasn't until I found out how to release the power of the Holy Spirit inside me that I was able to put to death the old man's fleshly deeds. Then finally, finally, Jesus, the man of compassion, could begin to come forward in my life. The natural mind is only familiar with trying to change through will worship. Will worship is when you endeavor to discipline yourself against the problem as hard as you can using your own will. I will not sin anymore. I will not sin anymore. And you say that with gritted teeth. But try as you might, sometimes you just can't break a fleshly habit using the strength of your own will. On the other hand, mortification through the Spirit is a process by which the Holy Spirit rises up on the inside of you to destroy the hold that the flesh has had over you. Instead of the sin having dominion over you, you gain dominion over it. So how do you loose the power on the inside of you to mortify the deeds of the body? Well, we saw in Romans 8.26 that Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the key that releases the Holy Spirit's power in our lives on a personal level to mortify the deeds of the flesh is the supernatural language of tongues. The Holy Spirit says, excuse me, but I'd like to help you. And if you will let me make intercession for you with groanings that cannot be uttered, I will break the hold of those roadblocks that stand in the way of God's best for you. So, there's a lot of stuff that's just... Uh, you know, us trying to stop something. But mortification through the power of the Holy Spirit goes for the root, and then the bad fruit just falls off. Um, there was a a time, there was a time after I got saved and, <clears throat> and you know, I was, of course, just delivered from everything when I got saved. And then, uh, and then it seemed like one by one, these different things in my life that had been there before kind of came back and tried to make a comeback. And, uh, and so, 
you know, I had to be able to stand in the word to, to defeat, to kind of to, to defeat these things. But one of the things was uh, smoking cigarettes. And, you know, the devil will set you up for failure. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is, uh, he's trying to, to do a setup. And what I mean by setup is I was working on a job and, you know, I was having some issues at home and, and under some pressure and stress. And these guys on the job, they were all smoking, you know. And so I was smelling the cigarette smoke and I was watching them smoke and I was thinking, man, maybe I'll just have a cigarette, you know. But I, I wasn't going to stop buying any or do anything like that. So one day, everybody had gone home and I was the last one to leave. And I went in the porta potty uh, to to go to the bathroom before I left, and there was a half a pack of Winston cigarettes and a book of matches in them, in the pack, the very kind that I had smoked. And I was like, "What are you kidding me? Here's a half a pack of cigarettes just laying here that somebody forgot." <sighs> I was like, wow, what a setup. So, you know, <clears throat> unfortunately, I fell for the setup and took the pack, and I I smoked a couple cigarettes that day, and then the next day, you know, and that went on for some time. I wasn't smoking, you know, like a pack a day or anything, but but I was I was having a few every day. And then one day, uh the Holy Spirit said to me, you don't have to smoke these anymore. And I was like, what, what? He said, you don't have to smoke anymore. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, you've already been delivered. You know, you, you are delivered of this. You don't have to do this. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks and when I drove that day, I threw whatever I had out the window, and uh, and that was it. I never had any more. But, you know, the enemy will try to set you up with whatever the weakness is or, or whatever. So Jesus told us in John 15, too, that as the branches are connected to the true vine, we will be purged in order to bear more fruit. Then Jesus said, now you are clean through the words, the word which I have spoken. In other words, it is the word of God that sets the standard for our purging. Without the word, where would we obtain the information we need to discern between good and evil or truth and lies? There's only one foundation of truth that exists in the entire universe, and that is the word of God. Islamic world will tell you our system of religion is, is truth, but it's not. It's deception. But the Muslims don't know that. Buddhists will try to tell you we have the truth. And even though some of their tenets contain sound wisdom for living, they do not have eternal truth. Only the word of God can be trusted as a standard for truth. It didn't come from this world. It came from God himself. So... All of the ancient philosophers thought 
you know, a way to bridge the gap between God and man. So you have Socrates, Plato, and other famous philosophers tried to plunge their minds into infinity, asking, what is out there? Who is the original thinker and the unmoved mover? But they had no answers. They only knew something had to be out there. But John brought the revelation that all those philosophers were seeking all those years. And he said, if you want to know who in this universe is the unmoved mover, I'll tell you. Before anything had a beginning, there was the Logos, the Word. And the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And the Logos stood face to face, co-equal with God. All things were made by the Logos, and nothing in creation was made without him. I'll tell you who the unmoved mover is. He is the mighty Logos, the Word. He is the one who has closed the gap between man and God. So if you're trying to be purged by any other standard than the Logos, you're wasting your time. One of the most deceptive things you can get involved with is a religion peddling a bill of goods that isn't a mandate from God's Word. You can spend years trying to follow a set of man-made rules that do nothing to change you from the inside out. There is only one true purging process. Jesus said it. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So there's a... So breaking this, this cycle of defeat... Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. Therefore, the only thing that stands between us and any kind of miracle is the fleshly pattern or system of thought that has captivated us in the realm of the soul. That unscriptural pattern is something faith can't give substance to. It is hope that has been programmed wrong, hope that has gone amiss. It is full of fear and torment instead of faith. The Holy Spirit will replace that mess for the kind of hope that faith can give substance to. But we must yield to his leadership when he begins to root out those destructive patterns. Otherwise, we'll just remain in the same invisible prison until the day we die. So it's no accident that right after Paul talks about mortifying the deeds of the flesh, he says in the next verse, Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So it's one continuous thought. The term Son of God refers to the mature believers who have been nurtured by the Holy Spirit to the point that he can now walk by his new nature rather than by the dictates of the flesh. Therefore, Paul is describing in verse 14, a state of spiritual maturity where carnal patterns and systems of thought no longer dominate you because you are now walking after your new nature instead of according to the flesh. And people say, well, I want God to lead me into this ministry or this job promotion, but the first order of business is for God to lead you out of anything that keeps you in a perpetual cycle of defeat. So Romans 8, 13, and 14 is talking about as many as will allow their reborn human spirit to be nurtured and taught by the Holy Spirit, they are the mature sons of God. For it is through the Spirit 
through the new nature within them, that they are mortifying the deeds of the flesh. The Holy Spirit will lead us out of patterns and systems of thought that enslave. The hopeless spiritual condition is the reason why the whole world became guilty before God and subject to his ju judgment. The world needed a Savior, so Romans 8 tells us how the Savior came to lead us out of our enslavement to the flesh and into a walk of the Spirit. Well, I'm going to leave it there. There's a lot there. Next week we'll talk about tearing down the strongholds in the soul. And uh, so there, there's a lot in this edition if you... Uh, listen to it a few times uh, you'll get even more more out of it because you know there's a lot of truth in, in what was just said there today <clears throat> so uh, God bless you guys and thank you for tuning in today to Acts 29 today from the world headquarters in sunny Chiang Mai, Thailand. I will leave you with a few moments of worship from J.B. and Osbert, my Haitian friends, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>